how privileged I feel to be here today and honoured and it's always a privilege to stand in someone else's pulpit in their church and to see the familiar faces and the new faces that is the sign of a healthy church and uh, I am a bit emotional about it coming back without Brother Jacobson of course but it's been almost two years to the day since he first became ill and then passed away on January the 1st, 2018. But I want to reassure the church, I've had some people ask me questions about, you know, the shortness and of his illness, and uh, I, I want to reassure the church, God has everything in his hands. And uh, much as I miss him, I know he has gone to a better place, and his work was done. And we had, over the previous 18 months, discussed many things, and one of the things was that he felt that, you know, he didn't know, but he felt that there was a time coming soon that he wouldn't be with us. And, of course, going to Brother Glass's funeral um, kind of uh, brought it back to that point, and it was soon after that that he became ill. But when I was talking recently to some of the people that were at his funeral who are non-believers... Um, and there were a lot of people from the community and people that we knew and I knew, um, particularly from a sewing group I go to called Blankets of Love. They were absolutely amazed at the funeral service and uh, they're still talking about it. Uh, and, you know, that's because God is in the midst of his people. And it's given me a wonderful opportunity to witness to many people through this about the fact that we have a hope and we've heard that this morning so many times haven't we the word hope that we have a hope and it's a hope beyond what the world can offer and uh, that's the sustaining thing that we have in our lives every day but I also want to say Brother Butcher that this morning that uh, well you know it is the Lord's work I know and um, I'm going to repeat quite a bit of what you said this morning in my preaching so um, maybe the Lord's speaking to us um, in, in a direct way today although what I have to bring to you is a little different but during the time that we ministered in Townsville you know times were, were difficult there were times when I would go to the airport and say goodbye to my husband knowing he'd be away for several weeks not just a weekend and uh, we had four young children and I worked full time and um, I, I don't don't claim this that you know I'm the greatest person on earth but I'm very organized I like to be organized and uh, so you know I worked full-time four children at school and uh, doing the church ministry and um, that entailed and in those days we'd have long services two services a Sunday and uh, you know a Wednesday night teaching session and uh, doing the overseas missions book, the church books, the cleaning, the music, all those things. And yet I came from a background where I didn't have any very much uh, training in anything. But I want to encourage you today, especially younger people in the church, if you haven't been walking with the Lord for long, set your mind to the fact that you can enhance the ministry in your church, you can help build the church, and you can do wonderful things for God that bring great results. And I'm not promising that you'll ever be rich. Um, you know, there were times when, um, yes, I went home and cried, but the church didn't know that. 
the church didn't know that I was lonely. Um, I w- sometimes would be dealing with the books and thinking, oh, you know, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And uh, our balance in the, in the church books went down to 48 cents once. 48 cents. But those things forced me to get on my knees before God. I didn't go to the congregation and say, look, you've got to give more money or, you know, we can't pay the bills or electricity is going to get cut off or anything. It forced me to my knees. But when I say that, my love for God was such because, you know, he did a wonderful thing in saving me and I counted it all glory to serve him, to do what I could do. And uh, so it's been quite... An amazing journey. And our lives are a journey, aren't they? All of us, our lives are a journey. And Brother Jacobson had a desire when he was at school in Sydney. He wanted to go to Magnetic Island because that was one of the things they offered children. You saved up for three years and then go to a camp on Magnetic Island. Well, he didn't make it at school, but he was uh, in the Air Force and posted there and he got to go to Magnetic Island. But there was a prophecy in his life that he would minister to many people of other nations and other tongues. And I I cannot tell you, I don't have the time today to tell you of the many places he went, the number of passports he had that expired or run out, um, the, the wonderful joy there is for me and my family, knowing that although we were different to the rest of our families, in fact, none of my family go to church at all. Um, and uh, there were times when he said to me, you know, um, would you rather I stay home? And I never once had to go and pray about that. I said, no. I said, I know because it's God's will and God's calling on your life. And some of you may not know that all through his life he had a, a very serious heart condition. He had heart surgery, multiple bypasses. He only had one functioning kidney. He had several strokes and various other things. And at 34 years old, when he had his first heart attack, the doctor said to him, go home and retire. You won't be able to do anything for the rest of your life. God is good. God's amazing. Nothing is impossible to God. Nothing. And so you need to, you know, I I read a lot and and I have read recently a book about a man who he wanted to sail around the world and it wasn't possible but he decided what he would do he would sponsor a young woman who wanted to sail around the world and so maybe your dreams cannot come to fruition through you but our hopes and dreams can come to fruition through others and that's how we were supported and my life as a journey, well, it's different now, of course. And I do miss being able to sit and share the word, discuss the word. We used to have some really interesting times. We didn't always agree on what we were discussing. But it's a wonderful thing and a wonderful practice. And as Brother Butcher would tell you, you know, that was one thing in the church in Townsville we were encouraged to do. We were encouraged to search the word for ourselves not just to take what was said over the pulpit as being the truth. And um, so my life journey goes on, and um, I am thankful that I am part of the church and what God has given to me. I love preaching. I know some people find that a bit strange. (laughs) 
Well, I do. I love preaching. I love to see that lives are changed because of God's grace towards mankind and because as we love one another and as we comfort one another and as we get together to worship a God who's the Almighty, there's a, a difference in our lives, a very big difference to what the world has. People say they're happy in the world, but they're not really because they're always striving for something more. You know, they may have a little bit of happiness for a while, but happiness does not compare to joy, does it? Joy in our hearts is something so ter- so different. We can be joyful in the midst of problems. You know, we can be joyful when there's sadness. We can be joyful when we're going through hard times, but we won't be happy. The world today is a mess. Now, you don't need me to tell you that, do you? The world's a mess. And we're not going to talk about all those things like climate change and everything, but I want to assure you today that there is hope. Hope in this world, not by changing the environment we live in, by being able to get people to accept the promises of God. Because anybody who is touched by the hand of God, by his grace, by his loving kindness, you know, what's around them, the environment doesn't matter anymore. It's what's in here. It's what we have. Matthew 19, 26 says, and when, when the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved? And, and that's probably the question a lot of us ask because Australia is not very fruitful with souls. There's plenty of them out there. But, you know, my husband would go to Papua New Guinea and I have a photo which is my favourite photo of him ministering there. And he's standing on a hillside and he's got a microphone in one hand and he's preaching the gospel and there are literally thousands of people gathered below them. And, you know, he preached for something like five hours and then they said, no, no, no water, nothing to drink, five hours out in the sun. And they said, why did you stop, Brother Jacobson? Why did you stop? But, you know, this, this is what God can do. And I want to see that in Australia. I don't care who the preacher is. I don't care which place it is. You know, it is, we, we are constantly striving to get people to accept the gospel. And when Jesus said, who then can, they said, who then can be saved to his disciples? Jesus answered, with men this is impossible. And I know that it's not our programs and, and it's not how good we can sing. And it's not how beautiful our churches may be. But with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And so this is the uh, burning desire of my heart now. I'm not very involved in the church in Townsville. Um, I mean, I go to church all the time, but <laughs> I don't have the duties to do anymore. But I have decided, I've made a commitment that I am going to seek out people and I'm going to start ministering to them in their homes doing Bible studies and see what the Lord will do Amen and if God wills and I come back again I hope to have a good report of souls being saved the fields are white already to harvest, we know that Jesus said that, but we are to pray for laborers to go forth into the harvest field well, it's no good you're just praying for others to do it Amen I'm a labourer. 
God send me forth into those fields and bring in the harvest. God send you forth. And um, one of the things I found growing up, you know, I lived in the bush near a river and my um, parents were very good but because we weren't involved in church at all. And I had a great hunger to read and I had a great hunger to know that there was something more in the universe than what I knew. And so through God revealing to me who he was and after my husband and I got married, and it's quite funny because the first time he asked me out on a date, he said to me, oh, what are you doing on Sunday? And I said, oh, I'm going to church. You see, I'd moved into a small little town and I decided, well, I'm going to try all these different churches till I find out which is the right one. There was no Pentecostal church in that town. But he said to me, oh, no. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> he said, I've joined the Air Force and I've run away from home virtually to get away from church. And now the one girl I like is going to church. But anyway, he kept coming back and we kept going to church. So that's how it works. Amen. Don't be afraid to say, what are you doing on Sunday? I'm going to church. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Amen. In John chapter 11, you many, well, I suppose most of you may be familiar with this story about Lazarus. And he was a man who was sick. And he was the brother of Mary and Martha. And um, a lot of people don't really like Martha. I do. <laughs> because I, I guess I was uh, a bit similar to Martha. Um, because of responsibility, you know, I was very organized and um, I was well thought of in my workplace. In fact, I could have had a promotion to a head office with Australia Post. But I said, no thanks, I've got a better job. <laughs> but, you know, I have a lot of empathy for Martha because she was doing what she was need what was needed. But then there came a time in my life when, um, you know, I just, got the message about being Mary, like Mary as well. And uh, so as time went on and the church and council grew, there were things that were great challenges. And um, I'm sure that you've heard many of them before, a bus accident with all our youth going to a um, youth camp and being hit by a train. And ironically, my youngest son that was on that bus became a train driver. <laughs> so there you go. Um, we had um, somebody that was very close to us was murdered in a home and uh, by the butcher and several of the youth were employed by them. We had constant car accidents, people picking people up for church and then, you know, being run into by other cars. And uh, some of the youth who um, were a bit uh, well, wild, I suppose, uh, managed to have <laughs> some accidents and there came a time when my husband every time he was going away overseas to do God's work something really bad happened and um, one day I was at the church and I was just standing there I, w I wasn't praying I wasn't doing anything I was just standing there and uh, and then it was like the Lord spoke to me and he said it, it is going to be alright it is going to be alright and I want you to understand that God is able to do that. You know, he is able to speak to you. And uh, and it kind of got 
one of the sisters in the church said, um, life got a bit boring for a while. <laughs> and I said, don't you dare pray. Don't you dare pray for anything to happen again. But young people started receiving the Holy Ghost. That's more exciting, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we need. And, um, and anyway, this is a great example, Lazarus, of um, believing that God, with God, all things are possible. Because, you know, they sent to Jesus and said, you know, Lazarus, whom you love, well, he's sick. And we often have this immediate response that we have to go and fix things. Is that right? You know, somebody tells us something's wrong. We, we want to, and as was mentioned this morning, we think we have to go and fix things. Well, Jesus didn't. He waited two days. In fact, by the time he got to where Lazarus was, Lazarus had been buried. He was dead for four days. And those of you who had any teaching would know that this is not just about a man who was sick and who Jesus healed and raised from the dead. This was Jesus showing that he was the resurrection and the life. And this was going to be when, you know, we can put our hope in this. We know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And there shall be the resurrection of the dead when he returns again. And I'm looking forward to that day. You know, on one part of me really wants to hurry it up. That's the Martha in me. And the other part is the Mary where I want him to wait until my family and my friends and many other souls are born into the kingdom of God. But he has a perfect time for his work to be finished. And we know that, that we, we can't switch, put a, pull a switch and, and delay it or we can't bring it forward. But we can be ready. And I, I know that you um, get good teaching, good preaching here, and so you know we can be ready. But there is a question that I ask many times: Why did not Jesus uh, take off the napkin and see, let Lazarus see that he was there? I understand why he probably wouldn't have touched the grave clothes because he was a Jew. And they weren't to do that. They weren't to touch dead bodies. And, you know, they had rituals they had to go through of washing and everything afterwards. But, you know, there's Lazarus. He's got a napkin band around his head, the Bible says. And he's got these wrappings, which were the grave clothes. And Jesus said to the people that were standing by, he said, you lose him. You lose him. And I believe God gave me an answer to that. And probably just for me, maybe, but anyway. <laughs> um, we need to ask questions, church. You know, it's not a matter of being decisive about things and divisive and going around and causing trouble. The thing is, we do need to ask questions. Ask them of the Lord. Ask them of your pastor. Ask them of whoever's teaching you. If you don't understand something, don't go away and think, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. It does. I've heard some of the, the most beautiful sermons from these two guys here um, of things that my husband never ministered on. But, you know, they were seeking God for a message and God reveals himself through these things. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about this miracle of the resurrection and we know that as new believers, that if we obey the word of God, that if we repent, as we heard this morning, because we're all sinners to start with, 
And if we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we have our sins washed away and we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the automatic thing is we think that because I'm a new creature that nothing from my past is going to come with me. Do you ever think about that? We think... We think, well, all, right, all my sins are washed away and covered, therefore my past is, is gone, and I am, I am a new creation. And that's true. But I want to say to you today that although we are a new creature in Christ Jesus and all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, because of Satan's devices, unfortunately, he digs up the past. And he binds us with the grave clothes again. Doubt. There would have been a lot of people standing there when Jesus came at Lazarus' tomb. That they would have been thinking, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Yes, first of all, they thought he was just sleeping, but now Jesus told them he was dead. And they knew he was dead because when they got there, what did they say? Lord, You know, he stinketh. He's been dead for four days. And that's what Satan tries to do to you, particularly if you're a new Christian. He tries to bring back the stinking grave clothes that have been washed away, all those things, and he tries slowly to bind you again with his wiles. When we come to the place of accepting forgiveness probably is easier for us to accept forgiveness for our sins okay to believe that our sins are forgiven than to forgive ourselves I've seen many people struggle with this in their walk with God is they find it very difficult to forgive themselves and Satan knows that and constantly brings up things that they've done in the past and This is why we need to have the power of the Holy Ghost. But we also need the ministry in the church that will help us to see who we really are in Christ Jesus. I'm a new believer in Christ. I'm I'm perfect in the eyes of God. Even though I have to walk and change, I'm not going back to the old ways. And we need to be able, church, to minister to people in this way, to get them to accept forgiveness for themselves as well as forgiving others. Many people I come across today have had a terrible childhood, a terrible past. There are lots of people who um, abuse children. There are, as you know, you don't really want to listen to the news you really don't really want to know it all but we have to be realistic about things and we know that there's a lot of things that go on in people's lives these things are hidden from God when we are forgiven in baptism of our sins but we need to learn to accept forgiveness for ourselves that we are not responsible for the deeds of others now my grandmother was a great person at keeping grudges She knew that the lady next door to her in Ireland, at least 50 years ago, borrowed a cup of sugar and never returned it. Now, a cup of sugar was worth quite a bit of money in those days, but still. She could tell you the details to the day, the hour, what the weather was like, what she was wearing. 
She was very good at keeping grudges. And when I was growing up, I decided I'm never going to be like her. <laughs> I don't want to be a grudge keeper. And, um, you know, forgiveness is something that the world expects from the church, but they don't practice it themselves. How often are we condemned because as Christians we don't do what the world wants us to do? And they're very vocal about it these days. It is learning to love and accept love is difficult for a lot of people. But the pure love that comes from Jesus Christ and through the church is the most wonderful release from the past when you can accept it and let people love you. Amen? And when you learn to do that, you learn to give it back. You learn to give love back. Because after all, God is love and he first loved us. And we know that the love of God is so important in our lives. For those who suffered rejection, often it is hard in marriages for them to survive because they were once rejected and any little thing that comes up they take personally. A wise woman said to me once, and I shan't tell you who it was, but she was a leader in the church. She said, sometimes it's good to have a good fight. And I thought, oh, you know, a disagreement. She said, but then obey the scripture and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Make it up. Get it all out in the open. Next day you'll think, that was so silly. What was that all about anyway? You know? And we do, as siblings, you fight. As families, people fight. But there has to be a time when you come to that place where you say, right, that's enough. That's enough. We need, we need to reconcile. We need to make things right. It is very um, difficult for some people to forgive others. Um, it's really sad that many people only reconcile with their families or their loved ones when there is a case where the person is going to die or some traumatic event happens. I want every day of my life to be one to be free of that. You know, my mother was not a Christian, but she used to get up in the morning and say, well, I'm glad I'm alive for another day. She didn't say thank God because she didn't really believe in God. But anyway, she said, I'm glad I'm alive for another day. And these things we know, we don't want to put on the old, do we? We don't want to put on, have, we don't want Satan bringing accusations. We don't want people making accusations. I have noticed that there was a time that many times people were introduced to others, particularly members of the church, that they were introduced, oh, this is Brother, and his name, he used to be an alcoholic. Now, we can unwittingly do this, but what we're doing is we're bringing back their past. Now, if he wants to tell you that I was an alcoholic and by the grace of God, you know, I've been delivered, that's his victory over Satan. So let's be careful how we introduce people. Oh, you know, this lady has cancer. She might want everybody to know that she has cancer. And how depressing it is. When people come for prayer, I like to ask them, you know, just sort of softly, but can't always hear what they're saying because of the music and the noise. 
I want to ask them, what do they want prayer for? It's not automatic to think, well, I know that you are ill, you want to be prayed for healing. Maybe that person doesn't want that that day. Maybe they have a financial need. Or maybe it's somebody they love who's sick. And so the understanding, this is part of us ministering as a church to the church. And especially to new babes in Christ. I am thankful that I had a pastor and his wife, only for a short time, um, who were very generous with their time, listened to us, talked with us. And it is true that in these days we have the problem of media. And uh, anybody that really knows me knows how much I hate it. I think it's just a lot of times just Pentecostal gossip, so-called, you know, is just, or passing on things which you don't need to know and also it's a great time waster as far as I can see but however as we live on the Holy Ghost and the church ministers to us we need to accept with love and grace the compassion and kindness they are showing to us not withdraw and think well I'm okay no it's not just me and Jesus I wouldn't be here today if it was just me and Jesus I'll tell you that now there are times when I needed somebody's shoulder to cry on. I need somebody to give me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I needed somebody to just come around and help what I was doing. And compassion is something that cannot be... You can't earn it and you can't buy it. You can't sell it. It has to be freely given. And so these are the things that we minister on. Now, there is a saying that we use that least said, soonest mended. Least said, soonest mended. And how often would we like to take back some remarks that we've made and think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And, of course, the other expression is used is, you know, think before you engage your mouth and what you say. The world is full of people today on medication because of depression. Depression is from the devil. He works on you and your weaknesses or your failures of the past and tries to make you feel that you're not worthy. Well, we are worthy, church. We've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. He went to Calvary to die for us that we might be made worthy. And every day I'm thankful that I pick up my Bible and I think, Lord, I am so blessed. I am so blessed to feel worthy. A lot of people go around saying, I'm not worthy that God would love me. I'm well, you know, that's wrong to do that because you know what you're doing? You're refusing to accept God's gift to you and what he did for you. And so our language is powerful. Amen? Language is powerful. And so ministering to those in the church today, we know we have the power of the Holy Ghost. That's true. But just like we need a physical touch from people when we're hurt, so we also need it when we're in the church, when there are things in our lives that God may be able, he may be able to change it, but he wants the church to minister to us because it helps us as well. Fruit on a tree doesn't happen overnight. And trees that are planted in God's garden, you know, in the church, there's a growing time. Some grow quicker than others. Some produce more fruit. 
Does that mean that they are not worthy to be in that garden? I love gardening. It's one of the things. I've lived in about 40-odd residences or more in my lifetime. Um, And everywhere I've been, I've planted a garden. And people used to say to me, why do you bother? You know, you're not going to be here long. You know, in a married quarter or a rental or whatever and on the Air Force base. Well, my thing was, I didn't see that as a waste of time. I enjoyed it while I was doing it. But I was leaving something behind for someone else. And, you know, that's what we do in the church. We want to give gifts to you regularly of what we can give to you that's going to encourage you to show you that we love you that you're part of the family of God we want to give you a word of you know just saying to somebody you look nice today you look happy got a new dress don't ask them the price amen and so as Brother Butcher was ministering this morning I was thinking very much about what we are encouraged to do in the church and we were in a small church in Canberra very dynamic but very small when we first came we had two children, three children we had a new baby we had, that was Patrick, we had three children um, we were a young couple we walked into the hall and we were then a quarter of the church because there was only 15 people there and so us five, we made 20. When we went to Newcastle and started work, there was just us, we had another child by then, and there was eight people, eight saints there. When we went to Alice Springs, the church was a little bit bigger, but, you know, it's been our ministry. We go to small churches and build them up, and then God caught. But we have been in Alice Springs since 1985. And uh, that's a long time to be in one place. But I have seen what God has done. Is It's just beyond comprehension sometimes. But the one thing that really has blessed my soul is to see the young men and women who have come through the ministry from that church and what God has done. What God has done. And I thank Brother Butcher for his compliments. And, you know, I... I just think, well, Lord, it's such a treasure to me to see the work that God has done and the faithfulness of those that have sat under our ministry. Some of you have regrets about things in your life that you wish you could change, but that will be there forever. It's time to put them aside. It's time to, you know, put them in that memory box and close the box and throw away the key and let your life blossom with Jesus. There are young women today that I have met who have had abortions. We don't condemn them for what they did, but we do preach the gospel of truth and we do say that it's not right to take a life in that way. I know that in Western Australia, as in many other places, that they are bringing in assisted dying. And I'm not going to get involved in a discussion about that. But I do know that our lives are in God's hands. And we, we, you know, we need to be really, we need to be careful about 
how we engage people in conversation because we don't want to turn them away from the church. We want them to come here and feel what we know God has for them. It's of no benefit to get into a heated discussion about abortion or assisted dying or drugs, all those things. That's not going to change a person's life. What is going to change their lives is when they come and they know Jesus. Amen? I am delighted to say that there are many times that although outwardly people may have thought that I was coping very well, I wasn't, but there were people I could phone and just ramble on, talk, whatever, and they didn't say anything. Just let me talk. And then the peace of God came. We cannot exist on our own. We do need one another. And I want to read you this scripture today. And while I'm reading it, I want you to think also about your life. And if there is anything, anything that you, you know, you just from your past particularly, that you just feel like it's always there, shame, guilt, unforgiveness. This is the time for us to come to an altar and let and be ministered to. Well, you know, we don't have to know all the details. That's not it. But we want to, and this is what Jesus said when he said to them to take away those, release him, release him. We need to release people into the joy of the Lord into the forgiveness, flowing river of Christ. And the one thing that this scripture says, but as touching, this is in First Thessalonians chapter 4, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And he goes on then a little further, that we are to walk honestly with one another, but he says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep or those that have gone before, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I hope that's where your hope is today. Built upon the rock, Christ Jesus. And we know that the those that the Lord himself shall come and with a shout from heaven. And at the very end it says, we are to comfort one another with these words. I like to speak often to people about the resurrection, about Jesus coming. I, I don't think that we need to be afraid of death because death comes to all and we know that we cannot take anything out of this world but I want to assure you, church, today, you can leave something behind if you leave this world before Jesus comes. And you can leave behind people that you have loved and shown compassion to. And it can grow and grow and grow. And others can benefit from what you've left behind. The legacy that my husband left behind, only God knows the numbers of people who are in the kingdom of God today because he went, because he was called. Only God knows the sacrifice of the small church in Townsville and the prayers 
and the giving that was done, what it has achieved, and it's all to his glory because he is God. Amen. And so if your musicians would come and for the butcher, I'd really like to ask you to stand this morning and as we stand to, you know, if there's something in your life that you feel is holding you back, something that is, you know, you just don't want to have that memory anymore or something that's causing you to feel doubt and fear, this is the time to come to the altar. I recently taught a message about the altar in the church and I said it's not just for sinners, you know. It's a place to come to bring your thanksgiving, to bring your heart, your worship, to just stand in the presence of an almighty God who's given his all for us and loves us to the extreme. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Brother Butcher.